Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She is our Florida State Senate President. We'll visit with her about what's happening in the first week of a legislative session. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president <coughs> of Less Government. <coughs> and Dave Bratt, former congressman and now Vice Provost for Engagement and Public Relations at Liberty University. He's an economist and look forward to his comments on what's happening in the economy. It is January the 16th, and on this day in 1945, Adolf Hitler took to his underground bunker where he remained for 105 days until he died by suicide. Hitler retired to his bunker after deciding to remain in Berlin for the last great siege of the war, 55 feet under the chancellery, and that's uh, his headquarters. The uh, shelter contained 18 small rooms and was fully self-sufficient with its own water and electrical uh, supply. He left only rarely and spent most of his time micromanaging what was left of the German defenses and entertaining Nazi colleagues. Constantly at his side during the time was his companion, Eva Braun, and his Alsatian, Blondie, that's uh, kind of like a uh, German shepherd. Hitler married uh, Eva in the bunker hideaway. Eva Braun met Hitler while working as an assistant to Hitler's official photographer. Braun spent her time with Hitler out of public view, entertaining herself by skiing and swimming. She had no discernible influence on Hitler's political career, but provided a certain uh, domestic flavor to the life of the dictator. Loyal to the end, she refused to leave the bunker even as the Russians closed in. Only hours after the united marriage, uh, both Hitler and Eva died by suicide, warned by officers that the Russians were only about a day away from overtaking the chancellery and urged to escape to Berchtesgaden, a small group town in Bavarian Alps where Hitler owned a home. The dictator instead chose to take his life. Both he and his wife swallowed cyanide capsules, which had been tested for the efficacy by their beloved dog and pups, and for good measure, he shot himself with a pistol. Nothing redeeming about that life. Adolf Hitler died by suicide. Well, the markets were closed for the holiday yesterday, Martin Luther King Day, uh, giving finance bigwigs times to hop on their jets and head over to Davos for the World Economic Forum ski and discuss the state of the world shindig. Futures are down this morning. Uh, uh, but recovering a little bit, so it may be a good day. We'll see what happens in the markets. Major news outlets declared former President Donald Trump the winner of the Iowa caucuses at about 8.30 p.m. local time, based on entrance and exit polls, early numbers, and early results showing him with about 50% of the vote before caucusing even started. He won 52.4% of the caucusing ballots, followed by uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis with 20.3% and Nikki Haley with 19%, with 34% of the results in. Caucusing continued amid the early predictions, with much of the remaining drama now on whether former U.N. Ambassador Ambassador Nikki Haley or Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will come in second in the first state of the uh, to hold balloting in the 2024 presidential election. The contest was called with just about 1% of the results in, but overwhelming data showing Trump had a commanding lead before the caucuses opened at 8 p.m. amid snow and freezing temperatures, by the way. Former President Donald Trump in his victory speech Monday uh, at the uh, Iowa caucuses urged Americans to come together to help straighten out the world. I want to thank everybody, Trump said from his campaign headquarters in Des Moines. Now is the time for everyone in the country to come together, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. It would be no, so nice if we could straighten out the world, strip out all the death and destruction, he said. Trump praised other comp others competing for the 2024 GOP presidential uh, primary, including Governor Ron DeSantis and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. He suggested his first orders of business, if reelected, would be to drill domestically for oil and secure U.S. borders for, from illegal immigration. 
it's really an honor at, at that uh, minutes after they announced I won. By the way, and uh, DeSantis was pretty upset about the early announcement, but nevertheless, uh, it, it, against very credible competition, Trump said, great competition, actually, he said, it's a tremendous thing and a tremendous feeling. He expressed his gratitude for the early call and for the emph- emphasized the competition he faced in the race. Trump also highlighted the need to get the country back on track and after facing several bad outcomes in the last three years, including conflicts in the Middle East and the attack on Israel. I really feel invigorated and strong for our country, he said, adding he wants to make America great again. We want to join you in that, uh, President Trump. Well, GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy on Monday night suspended his campaign after unofficially finishing in fourth place in the Iowa caucuses with less than 10% of the vote. The 38-year-old endorsed Trump in the end of his campaign. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis vowed to continue his campaign, as did U.N. Ambassador, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. She was going to go on to New Hampshire. This year's fight with the Iowa Republican Caucus was the most expensive on record, with uh, candidates, uh, campaigns, and affiliated political action committees pouring in more than $120 million on ads in the state. Haley spent the most at $37 million, probably most of it from the Koch brothers, but nevertheless a, a very expensive beginning to the presidential campaign for the GOP nomination. By the way, Nikki Haley has managed to claw back a minor victory in the Iowa caucuses, beating Donald Trump in the lone county uh, and ruining his clean sweep across the state. The former ambassador to the United Nations and South Carolina governor trumped the former president by just one vote in Johnson County with 1,271 votes to Trump's 1,270, and 99% of the votes tallied. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ended up with 75 755 votes in uh, Johnson County. Ms. Haley's win ultimately wiped out Trump's clean sweep of the Iowa caucuses, leaving him victorious in 98 of 99 of the counties in Iowa. Pretty impressive victory. Well, uh, Hunter Biden caved Friday and agreed to sit for a deposition in the House impeachment inquiry into his father, moving to avoid a vote as soon as next week to hold him in contempt of Congress. Hunter waved a white flag in a letter to Congress before his, uh, from his attorney. If you issue a new proper subpoena, now that there's a uh, duly authorized impeachment inquiry, Mr. Biden will comply for a hearing on deposition or deposition. We will accept such a deposition or subpoena on Mr. Biden's behalf, Lowell wrote, his attorney. The House Judiciary and Oversight Committee voted separately Wednesday to hold Hunter in contempt after the first son crashed the oversight hearing, infuriating Republicans after he ducked his scheduled December 13th interview. So he's uh, kind of set the table, set the pins for uh, a harsh, probably, interview and deposition. Well, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis who is prosecuting Donald Trump and others for alleged election interference, has claimed that allegations of her having an improper romantic relationship with special prosecutor Nathan Wade are racist, and that efforts are being focused on Wade due to her his skin color. Can you believe that? Playing the race card. Uh, first thing they say, oh, she's going to uh, play the race card now, said Willis during the appearance at the uh, uh, B- Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta. Uh, court documents filed earlier this month alleged that Willis hired Wade, her alleged romantic partner, to work on the Trump case, resulting in personal financial gain for the DA in the form of extravagant vacations the pair went on that were funded by the proceeds of Wade's firms received for working the case. Apparently, he received over $100 higher, more per hour, than uh, the person he replaced. Accusation against Willis include... Uh, improper and clandestine involvement with Wade at the time as appointments were being made for the 2020 election interference case. The complainant, Mike Roman, a former 2020 uh, Trump campaign official, claims that the integrity of the case was compromised due to the alleged affair. Roman has requested the charges against him be dropped on these grounds, alleging that Willis chose to appoint her romantic partner, who is a married man, 
Fulton County records show that since January 2022, Wade had been a, paid approximately, get this, $654,000 in legal fees, a sum directly approved by Willis. A call embodied in the court documents requests that the entirety of the district attorney's office, including Wade and Willis, be disqualified from conducting the prosecution of the case. Well, Fanny, these charges have nothing to do with the color of your skin. And in my opinion, everything to do with the content of your character, to paraphrase the great statement by Martin Luther King Jr. Well, President Biden received a rude welcome from state swing voters who mercilessly heckled him during a Friday trip to Pennsylvania. The 81-year-old commander-in-chief was met with shouts of, Go home, Joe, and you're a loser, by residents of the Allentown area house as he walked into the bicycle store, according to a pool report. Hours later, protesters opposed Biden's support for the Israeli offensive against Hamas terrorists in Gaza Strip vowed that he'd pay the price at the ballot box in November. And an anonymous cabal uh, within the Biden administration known as the Feds Against United for Peace has organized a dramatic walkout this week. I think it's going to be today. Not sure. According to the sources, hundreds of employees spanning more than two dozen agencies plan to participate in the protest. The demonstration is driven by uh, resentment within the administration over uh, Joe Biden's support for Israel's military mission in Palestine. This support is reportedly costing Biden political capital, particularly among young voters as he gears up for his 2024 re-election campaign. House Speaker Mike Johnson called for any federal employees who participate in the upcoming Gaza walkout be fired. Any government worker who walks off the job to protest U.S. support for our ally Israel is ignoring their responsibility and abusing the trust of taxpayers, he wrote on social media platform X. They deserve to be fired. Well, we'll see how this all comes down. On, by the way, on Sunday, the Biden administration formally requested uh, Texas to cease obstructing U.S. Border Patrol access to a section of the U.S.-Mexico border recently taken over by the state's National Guard. This is such an interesting story. Apparently, uh, the uh, National Guard said uh, you can't come in to the Homeland Security agents and... Uh, that's probably across the line. They should certainly be able to come in because it's their job. But Texas is taking a stand. I think this is going to end up in the Supreme Court. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Passanoma, our Florida State Senate President. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets to upcoming performances by visiting the website. GulfShorePlayhouse.org. Coming up, going to visit with Dave Bratt, former congressman and uh, vice provost at Liberty University. Right now, we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our Florida State Senate President. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. I understand uh, you got back late last night from Iowa. <laughs> yes, I did. We had uh, quite a contingency of uh, legislators from Tallahassee who who uh, flew up to Iowa to help uh, Governor DeSantis. We walked, and <laughs> I have screenshots of of uh, the weather. We saw f- minus 14. I even ha- have one that says one degree. <laughs> it's hilarious. It is uh, it was so cold up there. It's just unbelievable. The turnout, though, was pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I, um, I was one of uh, Governor DeSantis' surrogates, spoke to uh, at one of the precincts, which was a amazing experience i think there were about 200 people there um bitter cold but they they're out there and and uh they uh you know unfortunately uh, i thought uh, governor sanders was going to do really really well uh but i think he did I, I think he did um i'm proud of him he's he's quite the guy yeah, well, he came in second. Uh, he passed uh, Nikki Haley, which I, I think is an accomplishment. I, I would be curious. Uh, I just can't get my mind around what these caucuses must be like. Can you give us a little bit of a idea what what you experienced there? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so they, you know, the um, anyone can really register as a Republican at Republican at these caucuses. So there were a number of. Um, Independents and, and Democrats who can't who could register for that event ah. that day, and they uh, so they you know they come in and uh, um, they it starts exactly at seven, and the, each candidate who is going to be on the ballot so we had could um, speak themselves obviously or have a surrogate, um, and we have three minutes to speak on behalf of our candidate. And then at the end, they just have these paper ballots and they just write a name down. They count them up and, you know, put on like a whiteboard who won. Um, so, wow. it, and, you know, I had the opportunity, I, you know, the doors opened to 530. So I got there at 530 and I had the opportunity to mingle with people as they were coming in, uh, talking about, you know, poli- politics, policy, uh, the candidates. Um, it was it was a really interesting experience. So uh, was there a debate or discussion among, no. among the participants? Nope. Uh, they did it alphabetically at this precinct. Some do it differently, but they called me up. I, <laughs> I hopped up on the stage. I spoke for three minutes. Um, I, you know, my uh, remarks were more about how I know the, the man personally, uh-huh. um, because, you know, I, I started off by thanking everybody for <laughs> allowing us to come in. I, I joked a little bit saying that, uh, I, you know, they're the only people on the streets in Des Moines, uh, yesterday were from Florida <laughs> and everybody laughed and cause they were, you know, were all knocking on doors. Yeah. Um, but I talked about how I know the governor and, you know, his, uh, what he did for Southwest Florida after Ian, because you know it's funny. Everybody in the world knows what happened about Hurricane Ian. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, and I you know I commented that it took <laughs> that it took him three days to build the bridge. Can't imagine how fast you can build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's done uh, he's done a great job uh, yeah. for us indeed, and he's been a fantastic governor. So uh, mm-hmm. now, just uh, transitioning now, you've completed your first uh, legislative week uh, last yeah. week. I wonder if you could make any comments. Well, um, we were we hit the ground running last week. We passed off the uh, floor our uh, a couple of our bills. Um, uh, we're we're you know because we we're starting so early. We really have to, to push. Uh, so uh, we, this morning we'll be back in in committees uh, starting at 8.30 this morning. And uh, um, I have, of course, as you know, uh, my deregulation of public school bill uh, and the Live Healthy bill. They're moving. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of things going on. I've been, you know, I have so many bills to read because it's just frenetic up here right now. I can only imagine. So uh, you're getting a lot of great press with regard to your health care bill. Uh, yes. And uh, can you give us an idea or a flavor of what we can expect if it's passed? It's, it's uh, pretty much centered around uh, workforce. You know, and I've been saying all along that uh, with a 1,000 people a day moving into the state of Florida, uh, we are going to need to care to, to provide health care. Um, because most of the people that are moving are, they're older and we don't even have enough, uh, healthcare workers to handle our current population. So we, we're doing a, ro- a robust package of, of, of provisions that will, um, we call them grow healthcare personnel. So we're adding residency slots to, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, our, our medical school, I mean, our hospitals, we're, uh, providing, we're, we're, working on programs to divert people from the emergency rooms to uh, clinics that the hospitals could partner with, um, where we have some programs for uh, how do we get uh, healthcare personnel from other states to come into Florida and what can we do to attract them here. And it's, it's pretty big. Uh, a big component is um, maternity uh, issues. A lot of uh, uh, we're losing um, uh OBGYNs and hospitals are declining to uh, to do uh, labor and delivery because of all the issues. So we're we're, we're working on ways to to beef that up. Um, we have a big mental health component to create a designation for mental health teaching hospital. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's it's really really exciting. I would imagine the first thing that pops in my mind when something like this is discussed is uh, the barriers created by regulations. And, uh, for example, a cross-state uh, you know, certification for doctors and, and uh, healthcare professionals. Is that being looked at? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we all, you mean in terms of um, reducing requirements? Uh, no, uh, the, the ease of uh, having a professional from another state come into Florida and begin yeah. practicing. Oh, yeah. We we are look we are looking at that. We're working with the Florida Medical Association on that. You know, there's a little bit of uh, uh, you know how they are turf <laughs> protection, you, yeah. turf. But we're working on it, and um, you know we have to do that. And people want to come to Florida, yeah. And so we have to we have to make make it easier, but keep keep our our requirements our. Um, accountability issues and our uh, um, rules and regulations in place. Uh, So we're doing, we're doing that, you know, even, you know, even reducing a number of years practicing uh, to, you know, two or three rather than five to 10, that kind of thing. Yeah. Again, Kathleen Pasadena, our uh, Florida state Senate president getting in at the wee hours of the morning and visiting with us today. I'm so appreciative of the time that you've given us, Kathleen. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you. All right, coming up, Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? 
Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. He's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. By the way, great guy, too, as well, Tim Garrett. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dave Bratt, the uh, vice provost of uh, Liberty University. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, good morning. How, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and I have to say I'm so happy to be back in Florida. I was in London for a week and flew home, and you know the drill of you get on the plane, you put your seatbelt on. Of course, my first concern is where are the bathrooms, not where are the exits, yeah. and whether or not you've got Wi-Fi and what movies. I mean, I don't even give safety a second thought. Hmm. Well, Now, I know you should, and then, you know, I kind of look to see where the exit signs are, but, you know, what else are you going to do other than see where the exit signs are, right? Right. So, and I know that that part of the plane blew off on the Alaskan airline, and then in Japan there was the crash on the runway. But I did some research, and I will tell you that we, it is, flying in America has never, ever been safer. Really? Yep. That is not what I expected to hear, Boo. I know it. I know. Um, And it's because of a couple reasons. One, let me just give you the background. The uh, U.S. commercial airlines, we've gone 15 years without a fatal crash, hmm. which is a miracle in itself. There have been more than 100, 100 million flights and 10 billion passengers. Wow. That's a lot of people moving across the sky. It's Flying so- is, you know, and so again, you talk about it. Flying across the sky is safer than walking across the street. Airlines produce fewer deaths per mile than cars, ferries, trains, subways, or buses. In other words, the chance of dying in a crash is the same of getting struck by lightning while I'm talking to you. You know, this is so interesting, Boo, because I, I, I think I've heard stories about near misses, more near misses lately that uh, we're, we're getting to see, you know, where planes are, are getting too close to each other. I also read that uh, apparently they're planning on hiring in the FEA, FAA, the uh, Air, 
Federal Aeronautic Association, the uh, <laughs> demented or physically handicapped or mentally handicapped people to, to, to direct flights. I mean, it's, just, it's because of the diversity thing, you know. So, uh, I, I mean, I, uh, going into this call, I had some real concerns. Well, I, I, you know, I, I'm not addressing air traffic control. I think that there are some issues there. There's just not enough of them. Right. So they've got to develop that. But as far as the planes, the planes have engineeringly gotten better. They're safer than other. And I know the, the bolt blew off of that one plane. But that's, that's a very rare incident. And the other thing is they went to the airline, to the pilots. They went to 50,000 pilots and um, flight attendants and dispatchers, and they said, we want you to, to wrap themselves out. Tell us what you did wrong. You will not be punished. Mm-hmm. But what did you do wrong? And voluntarily report safety issues and admitting, admitting their own errors hmm. in pilots and air traffic control people, everybody that was instructed to do that. By God, they did it. Wow. So, so what happened is it changed the dynamic. The old system explained the accident after it happened. Remember, they got the black box and sure. said this is right. The new system is designed to prevent those accidents from ever happening. So hmm. it's kind of like putting the canary in the a cave. That is so interesting, Boo, and such interesting findings as well. So I'm reassured because, of course, you just read about the uh, the plug in the Boeing aircraft for Alaska Airlines just coming off. I think it's so fortunate that those people landed the airplane from 16,000 feet. Yeah. And with uh, seatbelts on, nobody got injured or harmed. One kid got his uh, shirt pulled off, I guess, but uh, because of the suction. But it's just uh, an amazing, amazing outcome. Well, and what about that Japanese airline where the plane caught on fire after it hit the other plane and everyone got off? And, you know, it's interesting. On our plane from London, they said, if there is an emergency, do not get do not take anything off of the plane. In other words, don't try to get your suitcase from the overhead bin out means out. Right. And that's what why everybody survived the Japanese airline is that everybody left, ran off the plane with nothing. Well, that's so interesting. Before I let you go, is it possible to get a little insight in your trip to London? I mean, uh, right now we <clears throat> read about a lot of things. In fact, there was actually a, come to think of it, a, a, a vehicle, an electric bus that exploded <laughs> in London uh, just the other day. What was your experience like? Well, you know, London is wonderful. The shopping, the food is great. You know, we, we went on a private tour. London, there's no history like London. Yeah. I mean, by England, I mean. And London is so fascinating. And so we really enjoyed all of that. What was surprising is how cold it was. It The high, the high every day that we were there was maybe 34. Wow. One day it sort of snowed. So, you know, you've got everything you brought, you know, like a little walking Michelin man because you've got so many layers on. It was cold. It was biting and cold, but we did fun things. We, you know, we spent a lot of hours in Harrods. We shopped. We did historical stuff. We went to great restaurants and it was great. It was fun. Would I go back in January? No. <laughs> Not the best month to go to and London. And you know, sure. when we're complaining about the gloomy weather here, which we have been complaining, yeah. I just looked on the weather report in Madison, and the high is 13 below. My goodness. Untolerable. That's, again, uh, Boo Mortensen, former uh, radio personality in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, that me- just mentioning that. Uh, Boo, it's just really great to have you back on the show. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Boo. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Seton Motley, the uh, founder and president of Less Government. Before I do, I want to <clears throat> uh, let you know that uh, Crystal Clerk Crystal Kinzel is pleased to announce that registration is open for the fourth annual Valentine's Day Wedding and Vow Renewal Ceremony. It's going to be held at the Eva Sugden Gomez Center at Baker Park on February the 14th. It's an event that's organized by the Cuyahoga County Clerk of Courts. 
And uh, you get there, you don't, you have to have a marriage license if you're going to get married. If you're going to renew your vows, you can just come, and it's uh, no charge for doing this, and it's really a fun event. Uh, a lot of couples take advantage of it. And if you have an interest, you can find out more by visiting callyourclerk.com, callyourclerk.com, and uh, additional information about marriage licenses, you can get at callyourclerk.com as well. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bratt, former congressman and vice provost of engagement and public relations at Liberty University. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He's the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. I hope you are. Yes, sir. I just point out that Seton lives in Belize and living a beautiful life down there. So, Seton, again, thank you for joining us. Your latest column, Big Government Should Be Helping Grow the Internet. Instead, it's shrinking it. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, okay. And, and uh, again, you know, you write stuff and then stuff occurs to you. And as I was thinking about, you know, waiting on hold to go on the air, another point occurred to me that I didn't put in the piece because it didn't occur to me while I was writing it. Okay, what we've got here is we've got, you know, the Internet is a web, right? They call it a web for a reason. It's lots of tubes going in different directions, information crisscrossing. And, you know, and so what the FCC is about to do, the Federal Communications Commission, is apply 1934, but telephone, it really predates 1887 railway law. Now, first of all, just on its face, applying law that's 150 years old to the Internet is stupid. But second of all, just from a purely functionary standpoint, what do railways and telephone lines have in common? They're binary, right? Mm -hmm. There's one line, and data goes back and forth. Right. Well, obviously, that doesn't apply very well to a World Wide Web. The Web is way more intricate than that. So it's going to be very 
damaging to the internet, it's going to shrink the internet because investment's going to dry up. And, you know, if it stays in place, they've been sued and lost before, but that, that, you know, the last couple of times they've tried to do this, but here, here we go again. It's yeah. groundhog day. And, um, so they're shrinking the internet. Meanwhile, and I've been talking about this for a while too, the internet more and more and more is going to be less and less wired, meaning you hire Comcast to dig trenches and lay cable right. and connect your house to the internet. The speeds on the wireless spectrum are so fast now. You've been watching, whether people realize it or not, their high-def high video is the most bandwidth-intensive thing you can do, whether it's hardline or wireless or whatever. And you've been seamlessly watching high-def video on your phones on the wireless network for about almost a decade now. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fast. That's as fast as almost anyone needs. And so between wireless and now uh, satellite, which is increasing in use and ubiquity, and satellite, of course, there's no impediment it doesn't matter where you live, you get service. You know, right. you go to the top of a mountain and you get service and you don't have to dig a trench all the way up the mountain to hook up one house. Right. Um, and so the, 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 the problem is spectrum is a very finite resource. There's only so much of it. Not all of it is equal. It's like, kind of like a monopoly board. Some of it's Baltic Avenue and Mediterranean Avenue all the way up to some of it's boardwalk and park place. And by that, I mean, the ut utility of it, you know, right. so, some of it's much more useful than others to do this stuff. And the government holds most of it and they won't get rid of it. Well, again, here's the FCC doing this stuff, which by the way, Congress never gave them permission to do. They, mm -hmm. they never passed a law saying, Hey, impose 1887 railroad law, railroad law on the internet. They're just unilaterally doing it again. And, Meanwhile, Congress has to authorize the FCC to get the government to clear spectrum because not only do they have 60% and a lot of it's really good spectrum, really useful spectrum, they're not using it very well. Shocker, the government's not being efficient with their spectrum. So right. You could consolidate onto smaller pieces, smaller bands of spectrum, clear the others, and then the FCC can auction it off to the, the, you know, the, the private sector. And, of course, they're, they're not doing that, and they need authorization from Congress. And this is the irony I thought of. They, they're, their excuse for not clearing spectrum and selling it to the private sector is, well, Congress hasn't reauthorized to do it. It expired. The, re, the authorization expired 10 months ago. And so my next question, if I were at the press conference, would be, and when did, you, when did Congress give you permission to impose Title II? Yeah, railroad law on the internet. When did that happen? So that's that's uh, that's an incredible irony that, that you know. And the last time, you know, think how fast the internet is moving. The wireless game is moving. The last time Cong the FCC sold Spectrum to the private sector was 2020 under Trump. Huh. We're approaching four years now since the government cleared some Spectrum and got it to the private sector. I just scratched my head and I'm saying, uh, why, why do we need any kind of government regulation on the Internet anyhow? It's working beautifully. That, well, yeah, and, 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 and especially so on, you know, that was one of the debates early on was because the first time Obama imposed net neutrality in Title II, he did it to wired but not wireless mm. because he said in 20. It was December of 2010, the, their FCC said, there's enough competition in wireless that we don't need net neutrality. Well, that argument fell by the wayside, and that's when it, of course, revealed itself to be, this is not about fixing anything except the lack of control the government has over the Internet. That's the, that's the problem they're trying to solve is there's too much freedom going on on the Internet. And, and of course, they saw very quickly, even way back then, hey, wait a minute, the future of Internet is wireless, not wired. We're not regulating the right portion. So the, the, the argument in 2010 that we didn't need to do it to wireless because there's enough competition quick, quickly disappeared, and they started trying to impose it on wireless because they saw that that was the future of the Internet. So, Seton, I, 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 you know, the, 
I still stay by the stand by the, of the comment that we don't need regulation on the internet. The internet, of course, is is a way of transferring all this information. My critique, and I think we do need some regulation or changes in regulation with regard to censorship and uh, mis that's right misinformation and so forth. I think the problem isn't lack of control; it's too much control. Right. Which is what the government is trying to do with Title II, the railroad laws, is impose more control. Well, we don't need that sector is doing pretty well. You know, my I have a buddy visiting from the U.S. down here in Belize, and he's paying fifteen dollars a month for Mint Mobile. Well, I'm sorry. Not only is that access to the internet, it's pretty freaking cheap. Yeah. You need any government? Pro- I, I, you know, I said to him, I said. That we have all these government subsidy programs. If you can't afford fifteen dollars a month, perhaps natural selection should take over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, and so you know, here it is. It's working great, and the, the reason they're freaking out is in '96, when the last time they wrote. By the way, this is how dif- dysfunctional our Congress is. 1996 was the only time they ever writ- wrote any law that applied to the internet. <laughs> That was, that was the last time. Wow. And they basically, they, they basically, it was bipartisan then. It said it was, you know, the Clinton administration signed it. Um, the, the bipartisan Congress said, let's just leave it alone and see what happens. Well, as you know, when you leave something, when the government leaves something alone, good things usually happen. And right. Of course it did. And then they retroact, ret- retrospectively said, holy crap, we're, we're not in control of this. You know, what's, what's really now they're trying to retroactively uh, regulate it after the fact. What's really disappointing about this discussion is we've got so many other issues that need to be addressed. Right. The border, I mean, you go right down the list, and it's just incredible that somehow, some way, we've got an organization focused on regulating the Internet. Yeah, the one sector that's not regulated. Yeah. Let's, let's get that in line. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I said this to some people, maybe you, I can't remember, but, but what I said was, you know, remember Daniel Patrick Moynihan, the New York Democrat senator, who sure. came up with a very good phrase, defining deviancy down. Biden is doing about 10 things right now, or has done 10 things right now, all on their own, in a sane country, would be impeachable. He should have been impeached six months into his administration right. because of the border, right. period. That's it. Once we got to about $30 million in bribes to his son from China... Well, line up the impeachment. He should go just for that. And there's just a bunch of them, you know. And it's like, um, and you know, I uh, the Democrats criticizing him for bombing the Houthis in in, in Yemen are correct. Yeah. You can't. Your your permanent get out of jail free card is well. We haven't declared war, so what I'm doing isn't war. I'm sorry if you're sending jets in and bombing people. That's war. Absolutely. And you need to get Congress to authorize it, and that's how you get. The last time Congress authorized any military action was World War II. Think how many military actions. You know, remember they kept calling Vietnam a police action. Yeah, it was a war, yeah. and we didn't get and we didn't declare it, and that's yeah. unconstitutional. Um, so, and that's Korea, that's Vietnam, that's Ukraine, that's Afghanistan, Afghanistan, that's Iraq, that's you know what we did to Gaddafi and in in, uh, in uh, what, what Libya, <laughs> Libya. Um, Egypt, Trump, uh, Obama went in. Um, the well, he almost did. Uh, the, the the Muslim Brotherhood won the election, and General Sisi very quickly said, "Oh, we got to course correct that and let a military coup and took it over." Obama was mad that the Muslim Brotherhood were out and almost exactly. took out Sisi. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to take a look at this column. You'll find it on lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, sir. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, Dave Bratt. He's the vice provost for engagement and public relations at Liberty University. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. 
Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They help elected officials have winning strategies in their elected offices. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Dave Brady. He's the vice provost for engagement of public relations at liberty university he's a former congressman he's also a great economist dave thank you so much for joining us here on the show hey great to be on good morning everybody thank you so much dave hey could you make a couple of comments about liberty university for our listeners that may not be familiar yeah well sure uh, and uh, i just get the the privilege of working with the best uh, kids in the country every day and everybody says that uh, but if you want to kick the tires come and visit liberty I'm there most every day unless I'm out giving talks. But the the kids are just, you know, steeped in the Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, the finest, ethical, kind human beings. I have I have not heard a mean word from one student to another student in the five years I've been there. Wow. Uh, so you say that about some other university. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I say, hey, you got, can you guys help me out with this event? They come to the event, they help out, and then they say, hey, is there anything else we can do to help you before they leave? Wow. I mean, it, it's, it is a one-of-a-kind special place. And so uh, thanks for letting me have a little uh, oh, absolutely. Bra- bragging rights on my students. They're <clears throat> yeah. awesome. And, and by the way, developing uh, quite a reputation as a collegiate power in athletics as well. So, yeah, yeah, coming on strong this year, right? It, it was great. Absolutely. So, Dave, uh, I wanted to speak to you about what's going on with our economy and what's happening yeah. uh, long term. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned about more continuing resolutions. It just doesn't seem like there's the will within Congress to uh, control the power of the purse. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I know. I, I was so excited uh, with Mike Johnson coming in. Uh, but then when you go behind the doors in that speaker room, uh, something goes very wrong. Right. And, and, you know, they scare the daylights out of you. And they, they, they say the weight of the world is on you. If anything fails, it's on you. Uh, and so, you know, he was probably given that talk. And then he's got, you know, a smaller majority to work with in the conference. And so some of those things uh, you can start to, to understand, mm-hmm. uh, but you just cannot understand that, you know, now we're in a, a financial disaster, right? With $34 trillion in debt, and the CBO has us at over $50 trillion in debt now in 10 years. And so that that is unsustainable. And <clears throat> this Congress, and, and Mike has just agreed to a higher level of deficit spending, uh, than any time in our past, and, and that it's close to World War II funding levels. Right, and it's also equal to the COVID budget levels when we were throwing money at the entire economy just to keep it afloat. Right, everybody knew we were just making it up. Right, we're keeping the same levels of spending without COVID, and so the Democrats ratchet it up. And all political views are just my own, but then the Republicans never fight back, and this really will destroy our economy. Right, this is a 50-year trend, productivity's been going down for 50 years, and that's from the leading expert, the leading economist on productivity out at Northwestern, 
uh, Robert Gordon. <clears throat> and I have all this posted at Brat Economics on Getter if people want to go check the, uh, the facts out. But uh, that's why CBO has us growing at 1.5% for the next 20 years because productivity is also 1.5% for the next 20 years. They're the same thing, right? Economic growth is your productivity. Yeah. And so those things are locked, and right now they're juicing the economy, right, to, for the election year coming up. So it's growing at, you know, three or four nominal. <clears throat> uh, but next year, CBO has us growing at 1%. Yeah. So the real underlying economy is weak. Dave, I, say, I saw the uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, put out a yep. report saying that uh, – we borrowed, uh, we had income last year, and uh, most of the money was borrowed. The biggest proportion of the money was borrowed, $500 billion or something to that level. We're borrowing money just to keep the governor, government afloat. Yeah, no, that's right. We're, we're deficits, uh, deficits are right now at $2.5 trillion, all that's borrowed. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's also deficit financed, right? And so deficit financing is stimulative. So you got the the, the, the D.C. Uh, swamp and establishment in the in the administrative state is working in tandem. The Fed now had to get rid of inflation because that got everybody upset. Right. Yeah. So that's the biggest election issue is if people think there's inflation in a year, uh, the left gets trounced. So they had to fix that one. So M2, the money supply has been coming down. They've been tightening on that front. So. They need to keep the economy moving. So what do you do? You deficit finance on the government side, right? The Federal Reserve is separate from the government. Government deficit spending is hugely stimulative, too. Now they've got that in the veins. And uh, all that is going on the backs of your kids. All these uh, parents on the wine and cheese circuit who are highly educated and want to be popular at the the parties, right, Uh, that say they love their kids. Uh, I fail to see how that can be, right? You're putting your kids in such a hole and such a terrible future. I, I cannot, I, I cannot exaggerate that. That's so true. I mean, the right now, it, real estate is unaffordable for this generation right now. That's if you don't already own your home, you're not uh, experiencing the appreciation of the property. The likelihood of being able to own a home, you're going to probably be ending up uh, renting for the majority of your life. Yeah, right. And I, and I do think that is probably the rational thing for the young kids to be doing because you plop down that money and move <clears throat> once or twice on top of the high interest rates. And on, there's the transactions costs and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, I saw the stats on that the other day. I don't want to reel them off off the top of my head. Right. Uh, but they're, they're staggering and they're new. And the percentage living with their parents uh, up to 30 years old is staggering. And uh, and it, it, it is depressing. And that that, again goes into productivity and then the other piece that no one ever wants to talk about because it's it, for some reason it's boring uh but it's what's between your two ears right education mm-hmm. it's the most important variable in the world how in the world can you function in the world without knowledge and yet it, it, no one goes to college anymore to learn stuff they go because there's a good food court and there's good dorms <laughs> and, and there's a good reputation to get a job yeah and when that's the only reason you're going to school uh, your economy is going to suffer long term, and, and no one ever wants to enter that dialogue. Well, and, and another uh, piece of evidence that shows that we're uh, kind of very weak right now is the fact that commercial real estate, so I think it's standing at something like 19.2% vacancy. People yep. are, and, and uh, that's going to lose value, and that's going to lead to a lot of uh, 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 financing that's going to be disrupted. Uh, it's lots of signs that says it's saying that our economy is weak. Yep, yep, I know. It's just uh, <clears throat> everybody's waiting uh, to see what sector, right? Everybody knows there's an everything bubble, just like in 07, 08. Right. Uh, but the, the Fed is, is playing games. You know, a couple years ago, you had the uh, Silicon Bank fail and a few others, and the Fed jumped in with another half a trillion dollars, yeah. right? These are not small numbers we're talking about. Right. And, and by the way, just just to let people know out there, so – when I was in Congress, the budget was four and a half trillion, right? So let's just say five. Uh-huh. Now it's seven trillion, and so when you hear Republicans going back home and saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to have thirty billion dollar savings, ten billion dollar savings in this," <laughs> it, 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 you, you, you're being insulted, right? Right. I mean, the, it, the numbers are not even in the ballpark of what needs to get done. If you're not talking, if your congressman or woman or senator is not talking in the trillions, 
they're not even in the ballpark, and they're not. They, they don't want to say that, uh, but the, the reality is that's, that's what they should be telling you, and they should also be telling you you need to shut down the border or, or they won't fund the government because it's not funny anymore. It's not cute, right? No. It's not like you know just some folks coming in to get jobs or whatever. This, this is getting very scary, right? Uh, and there's a new group out there. Everybody ought to go support. It's called the Immigration Accountability Project, IA, IAproject.org. Go support them. They're going to hold Congress accountable. Just started up by uh, Rosemary Jenks a few weeks ago. She's the best in the country, and she's going to get stuff done. Dave Bradigan, Vice Provost of Engagement for Public Relations at Liberty University. The uh, website is liberty.edu, liberty.edu. I hope you'll check it out. Dave, I wish we had more time, but I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, anytime. God bless everyone. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Tomorrow we've got some great guests, including Bob Levy, the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute, Andrew Joppa, Professor and Author of Josephus of Oz. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.